0: All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. We're walking through still this, uh, what is prayer? Again, so many people are are quick, if you ask someone what's prayer, they're quick to give you an answer uh, of what they think uh, prayer is, but they're not often quick to give you scripture verses for telling you why they think that's what prayer is. There's not a lot of talk about what does the Bible say about prayer. So we just started to look at what does the Bible say about what prayer is, and we've started to just move through different passages of Scripture because we know there's a lot of thought out there about prayer, a lot of ideas, but we want our understanding of prayer to be guided by God's Word, uh, and so we've started seeing that, that prayer is is simply asking God uh, to do something, uh, and now we're into Jesus showing us the, the types of things we're supposed to ask God, so if prayer is asking God to do something, then we get into the question of, well, what should I ask God to do? What sort of things am I supposed to ask him? What are the right things to ask for? And that's what Jesus is showing us in the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, you have seven requests of God. You know, depending on how you count them, you've got seven things that you're asking the Lord. We're on the fifth one of those, this fifth request in the Lord's Prayer where he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Okay, so, so in order for us to understand this, in order for us to understand what is this fifth thing that we're asking of God to forgive us our debts, we have to understand two things. We have to understand, one, what does it mean to forgive? What is forgiveness. What am, I, what am I asking God to do? What is it to even be forgiven of something? You know, if we're going to ask God to forgive us, we need to know what is that asking him. And not only do we need to know what is forgiveness, but we need to know what is our debt? What is our debt that we're asking him to forgive? And so in order to understand this request, forgive us our debts, we're looking at those two things. And we're starting with the second one first. The reason we're starting with the debt first is in order to understand the forgiveness that Christ is giving us, we need to understand what we owed. We need to understand the debt. Of what was Because if I can talk, I can talk about forgiveness, and you might think about how you forgave your friend that one time that you know they borrowed a dollar and never gave it back in school to buy you know to buy milk one time or something like that. Or I forgave my wife one time because she kind of gave she gave me the cold shoulder, uh, and but I forgave her. And we might think of lesser forgiveness like that. But we we're going to by looking at how great the problem of our debt is, we're going to see how great the forgiveness of our Christ. Is and so we've got this debt that is a a as we looked last week to understand our debt. We've got this debt that is a result of our sin. We looked at Luke 11, where this parallel prayer in the Lord's prayer is, "Lord, forgive us our sins, right, as we forgive those who've sinned against us." So this this uh, that prayer that this debt and sin are tied together, and we saw that's because uh, our debt is caused by our sin. So sin has created a debt for us uh, because we have not given to the Lord what he deserves, what he is due as our holy and righteous creator. And so that made the debt. So we learned last week when we were looking at debt that sin and debt are tied together. That it is our sin that causes our debt, sin that created this debt. But then we looked at the question of, well, But what's the problem with being in debt? What's the problem with being in debt to God? I mean, especially as Americans, we, uh, we love debt. Our country loves it so much. They're trying to teach us to be in debt by getting more and more in debt themselves. Uh, and so, you know, this, is debt even a bad thing? What's so bad about being in debt to God? What's the problem with this sin debt that we got? Okay, our sin causes a debt, but, but can I just, you know, ask God to forgive it? can I just sort of flippantly go to him and say, oh, God's going to forgive that? And so now we're looking at, what is the problem of this sin debt? What is the problem of our debt? And we're going to see just the grave problem of our sin debt. And to do that, let's look back at the prayer as a whole. Let's look back to the entirety of the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll we'll break down this some more. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's Word. Let's read this Lord's Prayer, uh, and, then, and then we'll walk through uh the problem of our debt. Beginning in verse 9 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, God, and and we come to worship you. We are here today because this is your day. And I pray, Father, that it is more than just your hour. I pray that it is more than just uh, this moment of our day, but we give this entire day to you. uh, That, Father, we rest and think about who our God is. And that this uh, day that we give to you will be motivation to give every single day to you uh every single day in honor of our great god that we would worship you with our lives so father help our worship today be acceptable to you take your word teach it to us we admit father that we are often callous to your word that we're often slow to obey it so i pray today father that you would by your spirit give us a holy fervor that you would make us as you as you told titus that uh, as paul told titus that we you would make us yeah, zealous for good works that you'd make us devoted to good works, that we would yearn to do what you have told us to do, that we would be your people and you would be our God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's look at this fifth request, this this thing we're asking of the Lord when we pray, we say, forgive us our debts. Okay, that's what we're looking at, to to forgive us our debts. But again, to understand the depth of this prayer, we've got to understand the problem of our debts. So that's what we're looking at today. What is the problem with our debts? And we kind of started this last week uh, when we looked at the first problem we saw is that our debt creates an infinite debt. So you're lucky on your handout, I already filled that one in for you. Uh, So that one, I mean, you're you're already going to get like a 22% on the test later. Uh, So the first thing we learned is that our debt is an infinite debt that that each single sin of ours is is a debt of a of a bajillion dollars that's the term uh, that we used last week we saw that that when it says 10,000 talents to describe our debt that is taking the most costly item times the highest number you can imagine because each sin is not just an attempt to dethrone god sin is at its heart an attempt to destroy god to de-god him we looked at that in Romans 1. Our debt is a problem because our debt is infinite. That's how much you owe. You owe an infinite amount. So when we pray, forgive us our sins, we need to understand just how much our forgiveness has to be. What level of forgiveness does Christ have to provide? It has to be one that meets, meets a debt that is infinite. And so this prayer for forgiveness must also be uh, infinite. Uh, and, you know, if, if that were all, right, You're, there's the problem. You've got an infinite debt when it comes to your sin. If, if that were all, if that were the only problem with our debt, I mean, that in itself would be a damnable problem, right? We'd be in real trouble there. I don't think anyone would go, oh, it's just infinite. Oh, okay, well, if it's just infinite, then it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, it's obvious, that's clear that that's, that's a problem, but, but that's not the only thing. This isn't all that Scripture says is a problem in describing our debt and helping us to understand just how significant our debt is by sin. So let's see, let's see if we can show you just a few more ways uh, of how dire Scripture describes our situation. And so I'm going to get, we're going to get a little Puritan on you. I'm just going to give you a long list uh, of all these things that, that Scripture says uh, are problems with our debt and problems with uh, our debt. And, and again, why do that? Why list problem upon problem upon problem of our debt? You know, you're just, you're just heaping this stuff on us. Why do that? Why highlight the depth of our debt? Because, because I want us to see how great our debt is so that when we get to the forgive me my debt part you'll be like when i get to the okay now we're going to ask god to forgive us that you're going to be like no way there's no way christ's work is so great That he can forgive all of that debt that you just talked about with all of its problems. That's what Christ is going to be able to do. I don't want any of us to tread lightly into the thought of forgiveness. I want all of us to go, this is an, as we're going to see, this is an unbearable weight that I have upon me. I want us to see the great weight of our sin, the great weight of our debt. and, And that will cause us to see the great glory of our Christ. So... Who's ready to get weighed down by debt, right? Um, when we say, uh, "We forgive us our sins, we've got this, uh, forgive us our debts, we've got this infinite debt. What else do we have? The second thing we see is we have a compounded debt. We have a compounded debt. Meaning this, not only do we have the problem, I mean, if, of, of sin, we multiply our sin. And if you notice, Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, he has asked God to forgive us our debts. Plural, not our debt to forgive us our debts. I mean, and, and our debt alone, our singular debt would be an infinite bill, but we don't just have a debt. You know, this isn't that we lived a, a righteous and holy life. I've kept all these things since my youth, but but one thing I lack, you know. This isn't that. Uh, oh, I didn't sell all that I have and give the board. Oh, that's that one mistake that I made, you know. We have debts, plural. We have the sin. Each sin is worthy of an infinite, infinite debt, and we don't just have one sin. We have debt upon debt. We have sin upon sin. We have compounded that debt. Uh, Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 6, verse 19, when he says that what our sin is, is it is lawlessness that leads to more lawlessness. Uh, that's what sin does. It is lawlessness that just leads to more lawlessness. Uh, we're not just a people who have broken one law, who have done one. You know, I, oh, that I remember there's one time when I was 12 years old and I I'll admit it. I had a stray thought. Uh, And you know, but since then, I've been great. We, We have debt upon debt. We have sin upon sin. So you've got the problem of sin being infinite, each sin carrying an infinite debt, and we've got sin by sin by sin by sin. We've multiplied infinity times infinity. David says in Psalm 40, he says, evils have encompassed me beyond number, and my iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. David, so David, so David has a problem with evil, right? But it's not just evil outside him, although it is that. His enemies are surrounding him. There are evils around him, but it's also the evil, not just outside him, but inside himself. And this is David a righteous man, a man after God's own heart, and he admits that if his, if the sins he committed in his life were counted, they would be beyond number. They'd be more than the number of hairs on his ruddy little head. That they, they were, there would be an infinite number of sins, so infinite sin with an infinite debt. Ezra talks about how God's people have heaped sin upon sin in their life. That it's not just David that is true of. It's not just sin in general that's lawlessness that leads in analysis. It's not just David who has this problem. Ezra talks about how the entirety of God's people. He says, oh, Ezra chapter 9 verse 6. He says, oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God. Why? For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads. And our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. He says our sins are our sins are so high you could stack them to heaven. You ever remember doing that in school? It's what we still do it at the foundry. There's just fun things to do like. Uh, if you, it would you know the whale is the. All to the moon and back, is so far you could stack 37 million whales or something, you know, just random things like that, that. You go, wow, our sin is so great, our guilt so great that it could stack to the heavens. That's our debt. That's the sin that we haven't just done one sin that is sitting there following us like some impish little curse. We have stacked sin upon sin. And we've done so, like he said, since the days of our fathers. Our iniquities rising higher and higher until it is not us that gets to the throne room of God. The thing that beats us there is our iniquities. When we're thinking about our debt and what we're asking to be forgiven of, we must remember that not only are our sins infinitely grievous, but we add sin upon sin. Again, one debt would carry an infinite cost. But we've got not debt, but debts. So when we ask God to forgive us our debts, we need to make sure when we're praying that prayer that we draw out the S in our prayers. That we understand the plurality of our problem. Forgive me, not just my debt, but my debts. It's no surprise then that when we read about these infinite debts that we have compounded, that these debts we owe to God have a grave consequence. Meaning this, it is a deadly debt. So the next thing we see is that this debt is a deadly debt. Uh, with normal debt, you get a normal debt and you pay that off. How? You get some sort of monetary capital. And if you don't have the monetary capital, they come and they get your house or your car or whatever. I go to a toll booth and I, as soon as I drive through that toll booth, which is basically seems like now every road in Oklahoma, uh, they put a debt, there is a debt that I owe and they ping my credit card or my account and, and that, that number is taken out. They just take something out of, my, out of my checking account. I purchase groceries online because I'm not an animal wanting to go into the stores. Uh, I purchase groceries online and, and they charge it to my credit card. Or, or I, or, or I can, if I do go inside, I can pay the debt right there at the cash register. I can pay what I owe right there. I'm going to take these groceries. Well, before you pass that, that belt right there, you need to give me money, right? And I pay that, and that's paying for the debt of of what I'm taking. It's just cash. But, but sin is not a normal debt because sins do that debt requires death that's what you pay with you can't pay it off sorry roman catholic church you can't pay it off with money you can't pay it off with anything else you can't give enough you can't you can't do enough good you can't pay that debt off monetarily so paul talks about this problem of what sin pays us and what sin requires of us in romans chapter 6 romans 6 talking about uh I, I, how ridiculous it is that we work for sin, right? How crazy it is that we work for sin, that we labor in the sin fields, that that's our life. We become, we become sin pickers. We just go out and we're just laboring in the sin fields all day long. And it's crazy. The reason it's ridiculous to work for sin, the reason it's ridiculous to labor, spend your life laboring for sin is because of what it pays And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 6.23. Let's get to Romans 6.23 and we just know it. We don't have to know it out of that context. But what does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. That's why it's ridiculous. Because you're, he he says, he's talking about being a slave to righteousness, a slave to sin. He said, why wouldn't you want the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, why instead of that would you choose to work for someone who is only going to pay you in death. I mean, we all remember when we got our first paycheck, right? Uh you get you get your first paycheck and, and you get it that it's a great history lesson, because when you get your first paycheck, you're immediately ready to throw your own little Boston Tea Party, uh, you know, situation, because you see how much taxes the government takes out, uh, and you're like, what? Is this, it's this huge letdown, right? You're like, okay, I worked 40 hours a week, and 40 hours a week times, you know, what's minimum wage now, like 50 bucks? Uh, you know, 40 hours a week times, you know, whatever, like, that's that's what I'm going to get, and you get your paycheck, and you're like... Is this going to come in threes or something? You know, where do, where do all of it go? And it's just, and you're, you're excited. I remember I ripped it open in my Geo Prism. I ripped it open, and I looked. First time I'd had a 40-hour-a-week job, and I just went, well, I don't know if this is worth it. Uh, immediately, I was like, either, or I go, well, apparently I need to get married and have kids because they're taking way too much. And that's why we're having so many kids because I'm like, you're not getting it, government. Uh it's just so disappointing. But imagine, imagine if instead of seeing that tiny amount in the corner, less than what you expected because you worked so hard, imagine if that check when you pulled it out in the corner said amount due and it said death. Death. That's what sin is doing. That's what sin does. You work for sin. You're laboring for sin and the debt, the due, is actually going to be from you. It's going to require of you your death that's that's the debt that sin is going to collect your your debt isn't going to be found in your retirement account it's not even going to be found if you could come up with the bajillion talents mentioned in Matthew the debt of our sin can be paid with nothing short of our death that is what is owed so our prayer Forgive us our debts is a recognition or must be a recognition that God, when I ask that, I know what I owe is death. And those debts have and will kill us. I mean that's why we're hoping for the escape that's why we're longing and we know our only hope is to say forgive us our debts because they are infinite they are vast it is debt upon debt and they are coming for my death that is the only thing that can pay that debt that I owe is death but I mean we say that but maybe death isn't so bad right? I mean, maybe death's not so bad. I mean, you might know enough Bible to say, well, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, and maybe, you know I, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever been, you know, you think about, we talk about how bad death is. I don't know if I've ever been to a funeral where someone didn't say somewhere, they're in a better place everybody seems to be in a better place so if everybody is in a better place then death isn't so bad so the wages of sin is death but when i die i go to a better place right so what's the problem with sin requiring my death the problem with our sin debt is that it is a the next thing is a disqualifying debt here's the reason that death is a problem what do we mean by disqualifying it means sin disqualifies us from any hope of being in the presence of the Lord, the Bible talks about this, Psalm 24 verses three and four. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart? You want to ascend to the hill of the Lord? you think you think that's what's going to the, the, this, this walk to the, the walk to the temple? There was this, this foreshadowing of our great walk, to be in the Lord's presence. The only ones that can dwell in his presence are those with clean hands and pure hearts. I mean, we might be able to fool ourselves into thinking, oh yeah, I haven't done clean hands. I haven't done anything. Even though that would be, you know, really formidable to fool ourselves and thinking, I haven't done anything. But what, it's not just clean hands. It's clean hands and what? Clean hands and a pure heart. You don't have clean hands and a pure heart. If you've got this infinite debt of sin, the presence of the Lord is not going to be your outcome. The better place, you know, he's going to a better place. Not if he's carrying his debt with him. Not if he's, not if his, this idea that he's going to be with the Lord. Not, not if he's going there with his debt in tow. We see the same thing in Psalm 15. Psalm 15, one and two. Oh, Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Oh, the tabernacle would be great. I'd love to go into the tabernacle. I'd love to be in the holy of holies. Uh. Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. So who can dwell with the Lord? Whoever walks blamelessly. That's the, the clean hands. Whoever speaks the truth in their heart, there's the pure heart. It's really just the same thing that we saw in Psalm 24. I remember I talked with a, a woman at the abortion mill this, this last week, and, I, and we were talking to her about, about her life, and she kept, she kept trying to figure It's an interesting place to do this. She kept trying to figure out if she'd done enough good in her life to get to heaven, and if she'd done enough good to even overcome what she was doing at that moment and i had to tell her no you can't you haven't you can't do enough good that she ha- that that she has to be absolutely holy in everything she's done and in everything she's thought and in everything she's ever felt absolutely holy in all of those things oh well, then her response was well then it was basically well then what hope do i have and that's, that's where we should be when we look at our debt. If we look at our debt biblically, and we see it's infinite, and we see it's infinitely numerous. So we see the infinity, and we see that we've compounded infinity. We've made a good return on our indebtment, uh, and returned infinity with infinity. And so we've got this compounded debt that's going to bring our death. We should look at that and say, well, what am I supposed to do about that? We should not look at that and say, well, I think that's fine. When I die, God will understand. I'm sure I'm going to go to a better place. I mean, if she recognized, and that's why I told her, if you recognized the cost of one of your sins, you would realize there's no hope. There's no hope for you to fix it and doing enough good. There's no hope. And that's what we should, do. when we look at our sins, when we look at our debt, we should be going into that saying, this, there's no way I can carry this to the Lord. There's no way I can be in the Lord's presence with this. And we actually see that biblically, don't we? we? see that from the very beginning. What happens to Adam and Eve when they sin? What's the very first thing they do? They hide themselves from the Lord. They hide themselves from the presence of their holy God. You can see Isaiah. When we look at this, Isaiah, when Isaiah, righteous prophet Isaiah, when he sees the holiness of God, He thought his sin was going to be the death of him right there. Woe is me. I am undone. I'm dying because I'm a man of unclean lips. And not even that, I've been around some other folks uh, who are people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen him. If our sin would keep us from being in the presence of God, then our sin would disqualify So so if, if our sin keeps us from even being in his presence, then our sin would certainly disqualify us from the hope of eternity in his presence. Your sin would keep you from being in the presence of the Lord for even the blink of an eye. And yet we think we can take that debt into heaven and be with him and dwell with him Forever? Yet there'd be any hope of heaven. That's why when we pray, forgive us our debts, we're recognizing God, forgive me my debt because my debt should keep me from your presence forever. Because our debt is a disqualifying debt. So our sin is infinite. It's an infinite debt. And it's an infinite debt that we've compounded constantly by adding to it. It's a debt that will accept nothing short of our deaths. It is a debt that disqualifies us from being in God's presence. That's your debt. And imagine if we could wrap our minds around all, I mean, it's, it's so funny. You hear on the radio, people talking about, let me help you get out of debt, out of this monetary debt. And people, you know, you know all these things in, in marriage counseling and stuff, they talk about, oh, money is such a problem when people get into debt that puts such a strain on their marriage. And I think if, if, if monetary debt can drive us crazy, if we understood the debt, found in our sin we would not be able to sleep which is why it's not surprising then that when we grasp the reality of that great weight of our debt and the great consequences of that debt we find our debt to be an unbearable debt psalm 38 says this and and we'll look at several verses because it's so good Psalm 38 beginning in verse 3 says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and, and prostrate. All the day I, I go about mourning for my sides are filled with burning and there's no soundness in my flesh. I'm feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. When we when we realize our sin, we realize its, it's grave consequences. We feel, Scripture says, like we're drowning in debt like we're drowning in guilt the burden is as it says, here becomes too great our sins the, the the cause of our debt our iniquities they begin to stink to us we begin to hate them because they're they're what got us here and the, this weight is pressing down and realizing that the weight is due to what we've done begins to make us nauseated the weight drives us to the ground. It crushes us. It makes us prostrate. You will not live in worship of the Lord. You will not bow before him willingly in obedience. Then you will bow under the weight of your sin. Prostrate, face to the ground like you should have been the moment you were born and recognized you were born from a holy God who created you. Your face should have fallen on the ground and worship. You should have only got up when he said, Stand. But if you will not do that in your life, you will do that under your sin. And that weight will crush you. Till our hearts themselves are heaving in a tumult. I remember the one time I was working under a a vehicle one time. And I couldn't quite get under it. So I thought I would force myself under it. It was sitting in some... Loose gravel, the, it was out at the, Mr. Jackson's place, so I think he might have had something to do with it. Uh, and I shifted just right so that I caused the jack to shift a little bit. And I remember I was under the car and all of a sudden I felt it shift and I felt that weight on my chest. Just a little bit, you know. And so then I instantly thought, we'll just pick it up and get it off of you. And I think you guys would assume that's what I do too. No, I mean, you. Fe- I felt that weight and that, cr- and I just thought, I'm going to die here. And you know what happened to my heart the moment I thought, because the first thing I did was very, in a very manly way, start saying, I would like some help. You know, if anyone is out there, now would be the time. And then what did it become? Hell, you know, like, that's what I sounded like, you know, like, a, like some sort of cat stuck in a, in a cage or something. Anyway, uh, but I remember the feeling of the weight then was compounded by my heart beginning to think, is this, is this how you're going to die? You know, like I knew I kind of knew I wasn't going to die like that, but I knew I did not like where I was. Uh, But that's what our sin does. Our sin, as it begins to crush us, as it forces our face to the ground, our heart begins to be in tumult. We begin to realize not only what's coming, but that what's coming is deserved. And that's the weightiest thing of the whole deal. Is as we're going to see, Well, and we'll talk about this next week. As we, next week we're going to see why, why this debt is an inescapable problem. Okay, so we've seen this debt. We've seen what it is. And next week we're going to tell you why you can't just get out from under that yourself why you need to be forgiven because we want to not just know that our our debt is bad we want you to know that you can't pay for it in any way and it's going to be paid we'll look at that we'll look at that next week but this week i want us to understand what our debt is infinite compounded deadly disqualifying unbearable that's our debt That's what is ours because of our sin. That's what we've done. That's what we owe. That's what hangs over us and hangs over our eternities. And we need to see it for what it is. We need to see our debt for what it is. We need to see the grave consequences of our sin. We need to understand what sin would ask of us. Remember what Jesus says, Jesus says in, in, in the Gospel of Luke. He, he says, who if, if they're building a tower doesn't first consider its costs, right? Well, I want us to see the great cost of our sin for one reason. I want to see what, what debt we're taking on with every sin so that it will help us to guard against compounding our debt anymore. I want us to think about what every sin is before we just willingly, I mean, I remember, I've heard it all the the time in life. I heard it this last week at the abortion mill. They said, well, I can do it and I can just ask God for forgiveness, right? It's willingly, flippantly taking on a debt to the Lord. Then we can go, well, that's, I mean, that's a heinous debt, but any debt. I don't want you to just be like, their debt is great. I want you to think about your debt the the next time that word wants to slip off your tongue. The next time you think about doing what your thoughts have told you to do, and you think, yeah, okay, so this will be a good result, and this will be a good result, and, and I like this better. I want you to see, but over here is the fact that you've sinned against God. And that's a grievous thing. And that will never, never be worth any of the positive consequences that you have made up in your mind for what you're about to do. I want us to see our debt for what it is so we can count the cost. I want to see that what is required of us is both clean hands and a pure heart. I want us frightened by the great debt of our sin. Because I want us to realize that forgiveness is our only hope that we can't pay it off, that we can't just grit our teeth and bear the consequences. That we have no hope to pay or to bear the debt that is ours because of our sin. That's why we're spending this time talking about debt. That's why we're looking at it. I want you to realize that my only hope is to be forgiven. I can't pay that off. And that's why we're crying out to God to forgive. Like the woman who asked, you know, well, 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 what, what hope do I have? What was my answer to her? Christ. Christ. That's what a Christian is. This is faith in Christ. Cause she was telling me she's a Christian and she's also telling me how she's not sure if she's doing enough good to get into heaven. So we had to do a whole lot of reworking in here. You know, systematic theology at the abortion mill. Uh, and Christian, I, w- I want you to, so I want us to, I want every one of us to think about what our debt either is, that we have not been forgiven, it has not been paid for by Christ, or what our debt was. So, so, Christian, I want you not only to recognize what sin is, I want you to glory in your new life. I want you to think about the debt paid for you by Christ. I want you to not just see the sinfulness of your sin. I want you to see the cost of it. What you owed so that today, as you sit debt free, you might ask, how can it be? How can it be that my debt has been paid? That that debt, as described by God himself, how has that been paid? And I want you to glory... In the righteousness of God. Our God who is indeed thrice holy. Our God who is righteous in all his ways. I want us to praise the righteous one. Who sent his son to pay our unbearable debt. Let's pray. Just with our heads bowed, I just want to take a moment and respond to God's Word. Because we talked about earlier, even as we prayed to begin our time in the Word, we talked about how often we can be flippant with what God's Word says. And if we can look at how the Bible describes our sin and describes the debt that we owe, and if your brain can already be past that, if as you were reading these things, you didn't feel like your soul was being driven to the ground thinking about your debt. If you weren't starting to live Psalm 38 before you even read Psalm 38, there's a reason that the scripture describes our sins so clearly so that you might, one, realize that you've got no hope in yourself. You know what you'd ask yourself today? Are you looking at your debt and thinking I can pay that? Are you looking at your life and hoping that you have done enough good? Surely if you see your debt, as the Bible describes it, you would see there's no way I can do enough good to pay that. Christian, are you tempted to do that same thing? You know, faith in Christ, oh, he's forgiven me, but at the same time, you're weighing the surety of your salvation based on what you do rather than what he's done. Don't fall back into the game. Recognize that that your salvation is ever only in him and the righteous deeds that you do are in response to what he's done in you and for you. They do not earn your salvation. They cannot pay your debt. They're simply the acts of someone whose debt has been paid by Christ. Let none of us leave today without seeing the great weight of our sin so that as we pray this week, Father in heaven, Forgive us our debts. That this week, that word debts would sit in your prayer like a heavy weight. A weight that you cannot bear, but that has been borne by your Christ on the cross. Let that weight be heavy so that His forgiveness can be all the more glorious. Father, we come to you today and we come and you tell us that our prayers are heard by you, that they come into your presence and Father, there'd be no hope for you to hear us, for us to ever imagine to be with you if our debts had not been paid by your son, if we had not been forgiven of our sins by him, the debt paid, not by us, but by him. And so Father, we come today and we, we praise you, we glorify you, worship you, we say this is the Lord's day, we will make much of it and much of him because you are a glorious God. And how could we not be here and worship? If we were not here worshiping you, Father, then I pray every moment of our life where we're living for ourselves and living in our sin, that that sin would, like Psalm 38 says, that that sin would push us to the ground, that we would see the weight of it and we'd cry out to you and we'd live with our faces on the ground to you in every moment instead of down because of sin. Father, help us to cherish you, to worship you, to live for you in everything. May our worship today be pleasing to you, which can only be possible because of Christ. May May our songs be lifted up by people with clean hands and pure hearts because of what Christ has done for us and in us. And we will give you the praise for all of it because we know that without you, that deadly debt would still sit over us. And we would be adding to it every day, knowing that there was no hope bearing that unbearable debt until it drug us down to damnation itself. Thank you, Father, that that is not our story, that in Christ that debt has been forgiven. What a salvation! What forgiveness! what debt paid by your son on our behalf. We thank you, Father. Righteous God that you are for sending your son to die for those who bore such an unrighteous debt. Can it be? And it can in Christ and in Christ alone. Thank you, Father. It's in his name we pray. Amen.